huge news, years in the making, my brand new book that my publishers refuse to publish, Money Matrix. Beat the money system and build generational wealth. Understand the three main ways that the banks productize you and make money from you. You'll be able to turn that system against itself, build generational wealth and multiple streams of recurring income. It's all at moneymatrix.cash. And if you're quick, the first few hundred registrants and buyers will receive many special bonuses from me. The brand new Moneymaker Summit three-day special event. Meet me at a champagne reception. Meet me at a multi-millionaire networking dinner. Go now, moneymatrix.cash. This is huge. Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means taking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your own reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up, and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here. Nine brutal lessons from 2020 for success in 2021. I am a glass half full kind of guy. I like to learn from the hard challenges, find the upside in them, and then leverage them for progress, success happiness, fulfillment, money, whatever it is you'd like to achieve. Now, I do this live and podcast episode just once a year. So this is a one-off unique episode where I'm going to share nine brutal lessons from 2020. Some of them have been very hard, um, but there's equal upside in these lessons, which I think could give you perhaps one of your best years yet to come ever in 2021. I've also got a couple of surprises for this episode. So stay with me until the end. What I'll do first is tell you what I'm going to cover, then I'll cover it. And then I'll let you know those couple of extra little surprises that I've got. I always like to leave you with a bit more than I promised. So I'm going to cover expectation versus reality. I'm going to cover the unexpected upside of a very difficult year. I'm going to cover the discussions about having no plan B. Number four will be dealing with fear on a global scale. Maybe you've not experienced that before. Number five will be agility. Number six will be scalable products. Number seven will be low overhead models. Number eight will be managing loneliness and emotion. And number nine will be what you what goals you set and how you set them for 2021. So number one. Um, expectation versus reality in 2020. So in reality, no one could have uh, predicted 2020, COVID, lockdown. And I spoke to hundreds of entrepreneurs this year, many of whom were struggling with the changes due to COVID and lockdown and how they had to adapt to their business model quickly. And, you know, maybe a bit of loss of revenue, maybe a loss of enthusiasm or belief, maybe extra fear. Um, But what they didn't do is adjust their expectations. So they still said, 2020 should have been, I should have made, I should have done. I'm way behind where I should be. And there was all this should language. But um, shoulda, woulda, coulda, couldn't. Um, Should, could, would, uh, ought. These are all words of delusion because there only is what is. There cannot be 
what one dreamed or wished there were. So to deal with 2020 well, emotionally, mentally, and of course, commercially, you needed to quickly adjust your expectations in your mind. All right, scrap my old 2020 plans, make a plan B, make a plan C, make a plan D, pivot the business model. All right, I'm going to lose revenue there, but can I gain revenue there? And the quicker you do that, the quicker you let go of an old fantasy and expectation uh, and embrace the new reality, the quicker you pivot, the more agile you are and the more successful your business becomes um, more quickly. But too many people were living in shoulda, woulda. Oh, I had all these plans for 2020. I was going to do X revenue. Uh, and I know that that's hard, of course, because we didn't expect COVID and lockdown. But really in business, the best way to be agile and always to evolve is to expect the unexpected, mark my words on that, and plan what you cannot plan for. Um, which, of course, is a paradox, isn't it? Expecting the unexpected and planning what you can't plan for. But that's absolutely vital. So when you adjust your expectations more in line with reality, your products and services more in line with the market, you listen to the feedback of your clients rather than trying to sort of sort of almost force feed them the products and services you've got and the stock you've got left, then you evolve um, uh, and essentially you stay ahead of the curve and you keep your business going and maybe even um, thriving, not just surviving. OK, second brutal lesson of 2020 and beyond. Um, uh, is that there was mass downside, which was obvious to us all. So um, everyone knows the downsides of 2020, you know, the disruption to our products and services, you know, the inability to, to get out and about, the sort of the mental health and the emotional strain that it's put on us. But in reality, everything has an equal upside and downside. Uh, and you are wise to look for the upsides. Now, I, I could list some and you might agree with some of these. It might be going on long walks. It might be taking more time with your family. It might have done more planning. You might have evolved your business, which required evolution. You might now be in a better business model. You might actually now have lower overhead, higher margin um, and, you know, extra growth. Um, so if you sit down and know all the upsides of 2020 uh, and you've got to sort of think a little bit more laterally and have some sort of emotional and situational awareness. Now, I think as a human being, you're able to see glass half full, glass half empty, upsides, downsides. Basically, you, you just um, argue and debate a situation from both sides, what's good about it and what's bad about it. And I believe in reality, everything has an upside and a downside, a good and a bad um, equally. A big mistake people make in goals is they only plan the upsides. They don't plan the downsides. They only want the goals and the vision and the results um, they don't want the challenges and the difficulties that come their way. But in reality, you have both. So sit down, make a note of all the upsides of 2020, um, how it's made you more agile, how it's made you more adaptable, um, how maybe you've got a better business model now, how it's forced you to set up your, your part time hustle, how it's forced you to not rely on the false security of, you know, a, a job or, you know, your previous role. Maybe you um, were more lean. You got rid, rid of a load of costs. You know, we definitely leaned up our company. Um, our revenue initially went down by probably nearly 50%. It sort of settled down only by 20, 25%, but profit margin is probably 250 to 300% more. So obviously in that moment, it was scary and chaotic and it was uncertain. But when we came out of um, our pivot and our agile adaptation, if you like, as Chris has just said, the cheese keeps moving from the book, Who Moved My Cheese? <laughs> um, just when you think you've found a nice little secret, a comfortable place for your cheese, someone's gone and moved your fucking cheese. OK, so once you've got your list of all your upsides for 2020, you realise actually they can leverage you for 2021. You realise everything that has a downside has an upside too. It gives you that sense of resourcefulness, creativity, agility, always able to deal with challenges, which I think is more security than a bit of money in the bank. OK, point three of nine brutal lessons from 2020. 
is, um, you know when people say you, don't, you shouldn't have a plan B, don't have a plan B, because then you can fully um, go for your plan A, no distractions, all in, go big or go home, motherfucker. Well, actually, um, I, I just added motherfucker there. I don't know if they always say that at the end. I just feel like the Americans do. <laughs> um, but I don't actually think that's very good advice at, advice at all. Now, if it took you months of distraction to create a plan B, that might distract you from having your plan A. But what's wrong with sitting down for half an hour, having a coffee and drafting out a plan B in case your business model gets disrupted? What's wrong with having a plan C in case plan B doesn't work? There's nothing wrong with that. It'll take you half an hour or an hour or just a little bit of thinking time that you could do after you've worked on your plan A. How can there be a downside to that? Well, there's a downside to that if you lose focus on plan A, of course. And there's a downside to that um, if you spend freaking months trying to create your plan B, but you don't need to do that. Now, when the lockdown happened, um, I was getting up at three in the morning and working through till nine at night for a good few weeks. And I created not just a plan B, but a plan C and a plan D and a plan E, F and G. <laughs> so this is all stuff about no plan B. It's com a complete nonsense. My friend Frank Bruno, really early when he started boxing, um, his manager said to him, look, you need to plan beyond boxing because you could get knocked out. And when you're 23 or 33 or 43 years old, one fight and you're done, you've got no career, you need a plan B. So all the pantomime stuff that Frank Bruno did, which was huge, um, it wasn't an accident. It was a plan. Um, and, and I think that was really important to have that plan. So um, uh, you need to create a plan B, even if it's on one sheet of paper or one Evernote folder um, and know what you would do if. Now, a way I like to think about this is um, imagine you are a competitor of yours trying to disrupt you, trying to out um, hustle and leverage you and trying to be better than you. What would you do to you? What, what would you how would you find your weaknesses? And instead of someone else disrupting you and finding your own weaknesses, you find your weaknesses and you go, well, if this happens, we do this. If this happens, we do this. If this happens, we do this. Um, now, the reason I created a plan C, a plan D and a plan E was because the lockdown and the quarantine seemed at one point like it could be really, really damaging to our business. As it turned out, it was actually quite good for our business. And um, like I said, we're 250 to 300% on average, more profitable month on month on a lower turnover, which means, of course, therefore, lower overhead, lower fixed costs. We got rid of some of our fixed costs. We don't have a huge amount of fixed costs, but enough. We got rid of a load of our variable costs uh, and we're much more lean and, and more agile. Therefore, we can spend more money on variable costs like marketing. And then if we want to stop it, we just stop it completely. You know, the more the more variable costs and less fixed costs you have, the easier they are to control, to, to, to scale, to stop, to scale, to stop, to scale, to stop, to stop. Um, so if you imagine you're a competitor trying to disrupt yourself and then you plug all the holes and have the plan B and the plan C and the plan D and the plan E in case that happens. What happens if you get ill for three to six months? What happens if you have a massive legal case? What happens if you have a reputation issue? What happens if you just want to walk away from the business because you, you completely lose your passion? What happen, happens if the regulations change, if the government make new policy? What happens if they double um, taxation? All of these things. That is wise. That is not stupid. I don't know how anyone could say that's stupid to do that. You should never do that. Just don't spend an inordinate amount of time on it to distract you, distract you, distract you and distract you from your plan. I'm talking a bit fast here. <laughs> um, I've got to get done um, soonish because I've got my training partner coming to do a workout. OK, right. So we're doing nine brutal lessons from 2020 for success in 2021. We've covered expectation versus reality. Number one, the um, upside you didn't expect. Number two, and no plan B is BS. Create a plan C or D or E or F or G. That was point three. Point four is you've probably never experienced fear on a global scale like you have through this lockdown. And still people are talking about it every day. Oh, it's going to be a tier five. Oh, they're going to smash tax rates up. Oh, they're ruining the country. Oh, Boris hasn't, he's late and he hasn't brushed his hair. And it's just so many people consumed by this bad news um, and frustration. That's all they seem to be talking about. 
And um, you may not have experienced this before. Maybe you experienced it in 2008 in the last recession or, or in the 90s. I don't know. But it's really important that you immunize yourself, you inoculate yourself, and, <laughs> and notice my puns there, um, from the mass fear. Now, should you know what's going on? Yes. But should you let that fear seep into you to make irrational fear, fear-based decisions? No. So be very careful who you listen to. Be very, very careful who you follow. Be very careful of the, the media that you allow into your mind. I'm not saying you should be happy, clappy, woohoo, high five, positive. I'm saying that you should be balanced. But balanced isn't just, oh, everything's over, it's ruined. Everyone just seems to be talking about lockdown and COVID now. Everyone seems to think that they can run the government better than the government. Um, and I, I actually put a stop to that. Uh, you know, I think information, yes, need. Updates, yes, need. But facts. And as soon as it goes into debate, bitch, moan, complain, I just kind of cut it out, cut it out, cut it out. Try and do it politely and elegantly. Sometimes if, if you can't, I just interrupt. Interrupt with some positivity. Um, really important because most people haven't experienced this mass emotion before and it's very difficult and new. But you've got to deal with it. You've got to protect yourself from it. Immunise yourself from it. Um, get, you know, follow people who are creating solutions. Follow people who figured out how this is an opportunity. All right, point five then on nine brutal lessons from 2020 is agility. If you are not agile, you know, if you are the opposite of lean, which might be bloated and slow and thick and um, lazy and loads of fixed costs and really low profit margins, then you're probably in a bit of trouble or you may have been in a bit of trouble. So you need to be able to think, decide and act fast. You need to always be in testing mode, testing, testing, testing. My really good friend, Ryan Pinnock, who's jumping on this clubhouse room with me from 1130. He said, so clubhouse, you know, are you in on it? You know, do you think you're going to spend a load of time on it? Um, Do you think it's going to be really good? And I said, I'm just going to do a a clubhouse room today um, and I'm going to see how it goes. And I'm just going to do some live tests and um, it might scale and be the next big thing. It might be something that's okay. It might come and go. Who knows? But for me, I'm always in testing mode because then you can change really quickly if you need to. You scale what works, you scale back what doesn't. You don't need to spend months planning and, you know, getting every, all your ducks in a row. Too many entrepreneurs are trying to be perfect now rather than start now, get perfect later. You might see my book there, start now, get perfect later. So um, and this is agility. Agility is, um, yeah, to be able to pivot fast, of course. Yeah, to be lean. But it's also about thinking and deciding and acting Quickly, but not so quick you make massive mistakes. Always being in testing mode, always looking for the next iteration and improvement, always seeking feedback. Um, you know, version one, 1.1, 2, 2.1, 2.2. Um, because, you know, you learn on the go more than you learn before you go. Always be ready to move. Um, all right, point six then on nine brutal lessons from 2020 for success in 2021 is having a scalable product is essential. Now, I think clearly the most scalable product is something that can leverage online on the internet because it can go from local to national to intercontinental to global very, very quickly. Um, So is your product scalable or is it too regional? And if it is retail and it's regional and based on a high street and people walking past that high street, um, then, of course, that's um, that business model has been really disrupted. But if you're on um, Shopify, if you have um, information, if you're on e-commerce, if your product leverages the internet, if it connects human beings, if it's online social, it is immediately globally scalable. 
Um, and I think, you know, beyond 2020, if there's been a great lesson from 2020, make sure that your product is scalable. You might not want to be a global business. You might not want to be a 50, 100 million pound company. That's fine. You don't have to be. But it needs to be scalable so that it's sustainable, survivable, thrivable. All right. Point seven then is um, linked, I guess, to point five and six, agility and scalable product. And that is low overhead. The higher the overhead, the lower the margin, usually, not always. Um, uh, and of course, therefore, the, the, mo the more bloated and less lean and, and pivotable and dynamic your company is. So if you can keep your fixed costs to an absolute minimum. When Mark and I started Progressive Property, we didn't go and get a load of computers on a lease. We didn't go and raise a load of cash to, um, you know, to grow the business. We didn't get a load of loans. We just funded it through cash flow. We put a few hundred quid in the bank each, 300 quid each, I think. I even put it on a credit card because I was skint back then. Um, and then we went and bought some Ikea furniture and a couple of really cheap second-hand Dell computers and we had an office. Um, and then we went and sold a couple of properties and then we had a bit of cash. And then we could invest that into Google AdWords to, to gen generate more leads. And we were, um, we were growing our business through cash flow. We weren't putting a lot of stress on the overhead. Um, so keep the overhead low um, and keep the long-term fixed, fixed costs low. Uh, and then that helps with scalable product, agility, um, you know, links to the other um, lessons I've given you. Hi, it's Rob here, interrupting you with something you may not know about me. I was one of the few people on the planet hand-selected by Facebook to pilot their new supporter program. It's a very small premium model where you can get exclusive content and advance notice or discount of new products and services. So this is what I've done for you. Not only can you get best discounts for any training that we might run, not only do you get notified first of any launches we do, we also do supporter meetups, supporter dinners, supporter WhatsApp groups where you have a, a deeper community. I do supporter only ask me anything. I do supporter only content and podcasts. We have a community of 2,500 supporters and I'd love to give you the chance to be one of those. I believe this is the best supporter program in the whole world. Find me a better one, but I don't think you will. So the link is bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. That's bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. I believe the gap between free content and paid content is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. There's a lot of free content out there that's maybe not that good. And for just a few dollars a month, you can get the best content on business, on entrepreneurship, on starting up, on scaling up, on sales, on marketing, on the mindset of being an entrepreneur. So go to bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R right now. Let me just go give you a quick sort of lowdown of where we're at. I'm covering nine brutal lessons from 2020 for success in 2021. Um, number one was um, setting realistic and new expectations based on 2020. Number two is finding all the upside um, situations from the downside of 2020. Point three is it's BS to not have a plan B. You need a plan C, a plan D, a plan E. Um, how is that going to hurt as long as you don't obsess over it? and distract yourself from plan A, you need to be ready. You need to disrupt yourself. Point four was fear on a global scale. We've probably not experienced that for 12 years plus. Maybe that's new and maybe that's wobbling you and affecting your emotions and making you more volatile and high and low. And, um, you know, maybe it's affecting your mental health and you've got to protect yourself from that. Point five was agility. Point six was scalability. Point seven was low overhead. So point eight is managing loneliness. 
So I've seen this so much. And I, uh, 2019 was probably one of my most lonely years. Yet I was surrounded by my best network. Yet I um, probably had my second, uh, maybe third most successful year ever in terms of revenue and profit. Yet I felt the most alone. I felt responsible for everything. I felt quite a lot of pressure. At times, maybe I, I'm not a victim person at all. I'm always looking for solutions. But at times I thought, why aren't more people helping me? Why aren't more people noticing and respecting me? Why aren't more people valuing what I do? Um, and yeah, and you know, it's really common actually. I, I don't feel weak for, for saying this. It's really common, and people who are billionaires can feel it because there's a lot of pressure on you. You know, at, at that point, I had 95 staff. You know, many of my family rely on me financially. Many people rely on me, and that, and, and I start to take that pressure, you know, quite personally. Um, and, and I felt very alone. And you can, by the way, be, being lonely has nothing to do with how many people are in the room. It's all to do with how you feel. And you could, there could be loads of people around you and you can still feel misunderstood and crazy and not valued. Um, and I, I am kind of, in a way, a bit that person as well. I need that respect no, to be noticed, to be liked, loved. Um, and I, I just had to balance um, that with actually feeling that for myself. Um, and I've spoken to hundreds of entrepreneurs since lockdown. And that's not an exaggeration. I've been on the phone to so many people helping them, um, either for stars or even for free if people are struggling. And it's really common. And so many people felt alone. There are single mums. There are people who, um, you know, their parents have died through COVID. Malcolm, a great um, uh, fellow who follows me on um, social media, his dad and his son died through lockdown. And I mean, imagine how lonely that would make you feel. And it's very important to put things into context that there's always someone that's got it worse than you. Um, and this is going to sound a little bit blunt, but it's really important. And, you, you know, I only changed my situation when I did this myself. You must stop expecting people to come and help you. And you mustn't go into that. Um, you know, you're unlucky. It's hard for you. It's not fair. It's difficult. You mustn't go into that place of being a victim. You must take full and final and personal responsibility you know, which is, you know, a lot of the times I'm like, why won't more people, you know, value me? We, I've got to go and find those people who value me. You know, why aren't there um, more people who support me? I'm supporting so many people. I've got to go and find those people who support me. I've got to go and find those mentors, those peers. I've, and by the way, we've all got a load of those people in our network, but maybe we're too proud to reach out. Um, and I definitely got myself in that space about 18 months ago. And it, and it caused a lot of damage. Um, and, you know, on the outside, everything can look great. And I shared a lot of that. Um, I shared most of it, in fact. Um, you know, through my therapy sessions and my WhatsApp supporter groups. And I think that really helped people. And I pulled myself out the other side. Um, and it's been the best six months of my life, probably, give or take, in the last six months. So that's obviously great. But, um, you know, loneliness can catch you at any point. Uh, it can catch you completely unaware. Um, and, and often the lonely people are the comedians or the people that look like they've got a load of people around them, aren't they? But I just want to say, and I say this with love and kindness and, and, and not, um, you know, not pushing back at you. But you must take full responsibility for having good people around you. Support and challenge equally, by the way. That's important. Mentors, peers, therapists, coaches, um, people who are like you, people who are doing what you do. You know, us entrepreneurs, we're a bit crazy. We're quite misunderstood. There's always people criticizing and picking at us. And we're taking risks that other people aren't taking and they don't really understand. And, you know, I feel misunderstood quite a lot. So therefore, I've got to get around more people who understand me, who are like me, who have similar values, who are in a similar boat, position, um, vocation. Uh, and, you know, that's just what happens when you do something a bit different. But be careful, because I saw that a lot. And by the way, these 15 minute calls, people just say to me often at the end, look, Rob, it's good to just feel that I'm not alone. It's good to feel that I've got someone to talk to. That's often just, just, just what you need. You need to just feel that people are there and they understand. But you must take personal responsibility for that. So I'll say cheers to that. 
and I'm drinking my water because I don't drink. Okay, um, now through this crazy mad pandemic, by the way, I've had loads of comments just on that bit. A lot of people saying that they relate. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan now of managing your mental health and your emotions as well as your financial health and wealth. I think that they're very related. Um, and now I've been doing this long enough, 15 years, you know, it's pretty much a full cycle. You can't go for 15 or 30 years without um, managing your mental health and your emotions well, because you'll just burn yourself out. You'll flip out. You'll just lose your shit. Um, so, yeah, be careful about that. All right, then. So um, one thing I will say, though, on this managing loneliness is whilst there, I think, has been an increase in loneliness globally, human needs have not changed. And people, I was on this um, uh, clubhouse room for probably five or six hours straight. I was speaking for about 90 minutes. The rest of the time, I was just listening, building my Lego. Lego is my new addiction. (laughs) Um, Did you see my Lego post on social media? It did really well. Who'd who'd have known that um, Lego is better than meditation? Um, But people ask me, Rob, what's the future of the events industry? What's the future for entrepreneurs? Well, human needs have not changed. We want connection. We want recognition. We want to feel important. We want to feel loved and connected and together and understood. These have not changed. In fact, these needs have probably grown greater through the lockdown. So that is your upside opportunity. Why has Clubhouse seemed to have sort of done, you know, gone quite viral quite quickly? Because it connects people and connects you with really successful, important people. You can get in Clubhouse with some massive celebrities and ask them questions. This connection, we don't feel alone. We're in a room and a group together, even though it's online. That's why Zoom did so well, because it, it, it enabled the connection when we couldn't connect um, when we were in lockdown. So if your business model connects people and you keep yourself connected to people, you're always going to be successful because human beings, that is a fundamental need of ours. So when business models are up and down and things are transient, try and think, what do humans still need? What are the human needs? Because you're always going to build your business model around that. All right, the final point then. Here we are. We've got there in good time. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for following my work this year. Really appreciate you. I've got massive plans for next year. So, yeah, I just want to keep giving back to you and keep rewarding you for your loyal following. Um, Okay, so point nine then. Um, I've become good friends with Mark Victor Hansen. um, And I saw him speak many years ago and I was doing about five goals a year. And of course, now is the perfect time for goals. And he said, you need to do minimum 99 goals. And I'm going to pass that wisdom on to you because that made a massive difference in my life. In fact, I've um, written a sort of little case study for one of his new books. Um, So I think you should set minimum 100 goals, be goals, do goals, have goals. I set goals on who I want to be, how I want to be known, you know, my business metrics, my personal um, brand metrics, um, you know, places I want to go, things I want to do, people I want to meet, guests I want on my podcast, you you know, maybe sort of the reach and the impact. Um, And, you know, if you achieve half of 50 goals, well, that's way better than all five of five goals. It made a huge difference to me in my life. Um, And I think that you can way scale your goals, your vision. Um, And one more thing, which John Demartini taught me, he says, when you do goals, you also need to plan the challenges. You need to be grateful equally for the goals that you're going to achieve and the challenges that will come in achieving those goals, because you will get 50% goal, um, you know, an an upside benefit, and you will get 50% challenge along the way. Um, so set minimum 100 goals, write them in, a, in an Evernote folder. That sounds like a lot, but it's actually not. When you do your life holistically, your health and fitness goals, your family and spiritual goals, your be, do and health goals, your travel goals, your personal brand goals, your company goals, etc. You'll actually, you might, I mean, I do about 200 a year and it's much easier than you think. Um, but uh, I think that it will change the way that you live your life. It will change the 
uh, amount of things that you achieve and the impact that you have. It made a massive difference on my life. If I were to say one of the top five things that I've learned in 15 years that's made the biggest difference, that was it. Um, so thank you, Mark Victor Hansen, for that. He, Mark Victor Hansen has agreed to speak on my Young Entrepreneur Summit. So that's exciting. I'm going to announce that on my birthday, actually, 4th of January. Um, all right, cool. So they are my nine brutal lessons from 2020 for success in 2021. I love you all. Thank you for supporting me and following my work and being a loyal follower. Remember this, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Make sure you get your goals set for 2021 as soon as you can. We're nearly there. May 2021 be an amazing year for you. I think it's going to be a, a very breakthrough year for many people. I think, you know, much of the wastage um, has been removed by 2020. And therefore, we can be lean and agile and disruptive and, um, and all the other. Are they adjectives or are they verbs? I don't know. Um, thanks for tuning in. You're a legend. If you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Boom.